0: Our culture just says, Well, hey, listen, it's capitalism. It's not just, though. You're taking advantage of people. In vulnerable situations and God says, "Not so among my people. So listen, I believe that culture changes when people within the culture change. And my prayer for the people of God is we start to take God's heart of justice seriously. And for the what is within our power, we say, I'm going to be just."
1: The theme of justice is woven through the entire Bible. It's even in the passage you're invited to study today. You see, God cares about justice because it's part of who He is. Pastor Daniel shares that God was reminding the Israelites of the need to treat people justly and compassionately. And He's asking you to do the same thing. He wants you to come alongside people who need help, to reach out to those who are vulnerable or being mistreated. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 27 as he continues his message, Blessings and Curses.
0: it is this place where it's being reaffirmed this is a renewing of the vows so to speak the vows are made at Sinai all sorts of things went on in the wilderness they're about to go in the promised land and they're renewing those vows but notice this covenant is conditional it's all about the people obeying and observing the commands of the lord you could say it this way the promised land is the lord's house and his rules are the rules of the land He's the dad. He knows what he wants. And I realize that we don't like that today, but it's still true for us today. God's ways are the best and the right ways, even if we don't agree with them. And I'm here to tell you, I've walked with Jesus long enough to have gone through a million different examples of I don't think God's ways are right, but as I get older and as I have more experiences and as I pray more about the things I don't agree with, I realize that God is infinitely smarter than me. It just took me a little while to figure that out. And I know it sounds hysterical, but the creator and sustainer, anything that I could come up with, God already has known. And when me and God have a disagreement, I'm always in the wrong, kind of like my wife. (laughs) You husbands know what I'm talking about, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Even when you're right, you're wrong. Our wives are called that way. They know how this stuff goes. But God always knows. He knows. And so we need to make sure that we are obedient to the commands. Now from here, look at what happens. In verse 11, now Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, verse 12, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when they have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. So what you have is you have this separation, the division of the tribes, six tribes on Mount Gerizim, pronouncing the blessings, and six tribes on Mount Ebal, pronouncing the cursings. Now it's interesting that the descendants of Jacob's wives, Leah and Rachel, are on Mount Gerizim, and then you have the concubines' kids on the other mountain, by and large. So why that is, We can do a lot of speculating, but that's maybe a discussion for another day. I can get bogged down and stuff like, well, what does this have to do with my life? That's what you're going to say to me. Like, what does it have to do with my life? I think that would be an honest question at that point. But what we're going to see now is we're going to see on whom and why do the curses fall. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see on whom and why do the curses fall. Now, again, what I'm going to read to you now is got some um, adult Mature subject matter. So if you have young kids who are listening to this, this is the moment you probably want to take them, have them go watch some cartoons or something, or go into one of our kids' ministry. Uh, And if you are somebody who uh, don't like more mature subject matter, I didn't write this. The Holy Spirit did, so it's not my fault. But I'm going to tell you about it either way. So look at what it says. It says in verse 14, And the Levites shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel... First in verse 15, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret. Cursed is the one who treats his father and his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who makes the blind wander off the road, and all the people shall say, amen. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, and all the people say, amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's bed, and all the people say, amen. I want you guys to say amen a little bit more excited. Here we go. Verse 21. Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal, and all the people said, amen. That's right. Cursed is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. Cursed is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. Cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. Cursed is the one who does not confirm. All the words of this law and all the people shall say, "Amen." Amen. Now, these are commonly called the Do Decalogue. Now, that's a big word, but Deca is ten, so Do is twelve. So, it, just like you have the Ten Commandments, they call it, some calls were called the Decalogue. This is the Do Decalogue of Mount Ebal, it's the 12 curses. And a lot of these are recapitulations of the 10 commandments. But what you find by the time you get to the end, cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law. You find out that these 12 curses are meant to be representative of a whole way of life for the children of Israel and I would say also for us. So now if we take them one at a time, you notice back in verse 15, curses the one who makes a carved or molded image in abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen and sets it up in secret. Now this first curse covers the Israelites' relationship with the Lord. And really what this does is it covers the first two commandments. You shall have no other gods before me and you shall not make any molded images. So any sort of statue or anything that you would make that you would bow your heart down and worship to, that's an abomination to the Lord. Now, that was very common in Near Eastern culture. It is still common today if you go towards Eastern countries. In America, we're kind of too sophisticated for that, but we do worship little green pieces of paper with dead presidents on it or their equivalent on our bank account. The things people will do for money. And so really, whatever it is that's the driving passion of your life, that will be the thing that drives your life. And God wants to make sure that our lives in him are guarded. Do you have something or someone that is competing for the affections of God in your heart as that primary place? If you have one of those, God already knows it and you need to confess that to the Lord and say, Lord, I am going to turn away from that. What I find for a lot of believers is that oftentimes they take a really good thing and they make it the most important thing which actually chokes the joy out of those things. Whether it's your family or the idea of a family, whether it's your career or the approaching of it, these things aren't bad. But when you make them the most important thing, now all of a sudden you lose your ability to really enjoy these things. So we have to make sure God has that primary place in our hearts. So it starts with that one, now from there, of course, it says, and all the people shall answer and say amen. So all the people, that word amen, I like to say, if you want a good definition for amen, it's true dat. Or so be it. It's a verbal affirmation that what is being said is the truth. That's why I like to say true dat. So when you say amen, you can say true dat. People think you're cool or not, but that's what I do. In verse 16, the second curse, cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt. So obviously the second curse falls on one who dishonors his family. Of course, this is stated positively that you should honor your father and your mother in the 10 commandments. And the apostle Paul speaks about it in the book of Ephesians as the first commandment with promise. And so God cares about the family. Now again, God cares about the family. The problem that we have, like when we're talking about marriage or family, is that God wants things to be in the ideal state. And sometimes some of us have had horrible parents. Some of us had parents who were anything but godly influences on their life. And so how do you not show contempt for somebody who scarred you, hurt you? But the idea is, is that God realizes that the family is the primary discipling unit in society. That's why in our culture we are seeing the breakdown of our culture because of the breakdown of the family. That's how it works. There's God's design for a man and a woman raising their kids together. Figuring out how to do life That's God's plan And so when that starts to break down Then all of a sudden society starts to break down Because everything that we learn as kids We are being socialized by our parents Like I always say it, How many of us said I'm never going to be like my parents when I grow up Yeah, almost everyone except those of you sitting next to your parents You're like, me too, but my mom's right there Foosco, that's my dad But me, definitely But you know what's happening when you get older, right? You take on a lot of your parents' traits I'm not saying that if your parents were abusive You're going to be abusive Jesus changes a lot of things Like I always laugh, I'm raising kids My dad comes out of my face all the time I'm just like, wow I always told him I was never going to be like him And I say things, I'm like, that's my dad Even then I'm like, good job Tom Fusco That's my dad Because my dad comes out Because your parents have a profound impact on you Those of you who are parents Don't ever forget that Those of you who are grandparents Don't miss that God also created nuclear families to have grandparents. You know, I was just talking to my grandma. I talked to her every Wednesday on the way into church. My grandma just turned 90. My grandfather was 93. They just celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. Just like two weeks ago. I just love these little people, you know, like they're like a second set of parents. My grandma said to me today, she's like, Daniel, God has blessed us with so much love in our family. And I was just like, man, yeah, and my grandma, and it's a lot of it has to do with you. Because my grandma's just that girl. She just loves everybody. She'll take the food out of her mouth, and she'll stick it in your mouth. She loves you that much. (laughs) It's kind of weird, but it's beautiful, you know? So God wants us to honor, as best as we can, our father and our mother. Don't treat them with contempt. Of course, the third one, verse 17 Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark. Now, this speaks about the division of the land. Now, remember, each family was given land by allotment. So really what this boils down to, this is stealing someone else's personal property. The Bible puts a premium on a person's ability to own something for themselves and to dispose of it as they see fit. Now, ultimately, everyone gives an account for the way we handle what we have, but it's not our job to take what isn't ours. So each one of us as followers of Jesus, we need to be careful. So if you're the kind of person who you like steal envelopes from your company, stop that. Go buy the envelopes. They're 99 cents in the dollar store. You know, but it's like, you're in the same way. What you're doing is you're taking what's not yours. And God cares that we honor people's property because God holds each one of us responsible for what is in front of us. So with the division of the land, you should not be moving people's land. This was long before you have plot maps and all these things. People would have these little things that would delineate their marks. And you can imagine someone wanting a little bit more space and they go over. Some of you guys are like that, right? You put your fence a little bit on your neighbor's property line. You're usurping a little bit of their land. We don't want to be like that because God's given to each one what he has desired them to have and we want to honor that. We don't want to covet our neighbor's stuff. And so again, all the people say amen. Now in verse 18 and 19 and forward, we have a couple curses. Cursed is the one who makes the blind wander off the road and all the people shall say amen. And cursed is the one who perverts the justice due to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And all the people say what? Amen. Now this is... Society needs to have a concern for those who are underprivileged or vulnerable. So somebody who is blind, if you make sport of their inability to see and you cause them to wander off the road, guess what? You are taking advantage of someone who is in a vulnerable situation. In the same way, you have these three groups of people who we hear about in verse 19, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. They were the three categories of the most vulnerable people in Near Eastern culture. The stranger is somebody who's in a land that is not their own and they don't know anybody. The fatherless, they have no patriarch in that culture to protect them. And the widow, a woman who does not have a man to provide for her because this was long before women worked outside of the home. So in each one of these situations, God desires justice. He wants to make sure that his people do not take advantage of anybody for any reason. There is a requirement of equal justice for everybody. It's kind of a terrifying thing, isn't it, because we have so much injustice in our culture. There's so much of it that we become desensitized to it, but as followers of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we should be working for justice. Because God does not believe in the exploitation of vulnerable people. Everything about our culture, and I realize, you know, this is, if you unpack this thing, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, like, when you go to get a loan, depending on your credit rating, what kind of score you get. You go to a check cashing place. You'll notice you'll never find a check cashing place in an upper middle-class neighborhood, always in a more impoverished neighborhood. Why? Because they can take advantage of somebody who needs an advance on their check and they can take 25, 30, and 40%. All of that is injustice. Our culture just says, well, hey, listen, it's capitalism. It's not just though. You're taking advantage of people in vulnerable situations. And God says, not so among my people. So listen, I believe that culture changes when people within the culture change. And my prayer for the people of God is we start to take God's heart of justice seriously. And for the, what is within our power, we say, I'm going to be just. When I see someone who's vulnerable, I'm going to advocate for them and I'm going to help. And there are so many of us here at Crossroads who are doing that. So many people stepping in, helping people who are their most vulnerable it's like when somebody spends time incarcerated and they come out, that's a very vulnerable position. But I'm grateful for godly people who come along and say, I'm going to help you transition through this. When people lose loved ones, very vulnerable. We have it now with the people who they scam elderly people. They know they don't know. I mean, I could talk about this all day. They're seeing someone who's vulnerable. They're trying to take advantage of their vulnerability. And that is unjust. And God says, not so among my people. Don't let it happen among you. Now, As we move into verse 20 and the next four curses, these all have to deal with sexual immorality. And all of these, unfortunately, were common religious practices among the people who inhabited the promised land people we call the Canaanites so for us i think most of us realize that this is not something that we should be involved in but what it, because it was a common practice it became normalized and then sexual deviance and perversion becomes the norm in the culture and so god is saying look i don't want you guys to be that way so if you notice first it says curses the one who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's bed. So the idea is that if your father was remarried, you should not have sexual relations in any way with your stepmother. And so it would make sense in that way. And so, but of course we have one of Jacob's sons did that, didn't he? So we have that in our Bibles as well. Next, it says cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal. We would call that bestiality. Now, what's interesting is if you read about the religious religious rituals of the Canaanites, it was actually very common for people to have sexual experiences with sacred animals to bring them into union with their gods. And so in that culture, it was something that was actually more common than we might realize. But obviously, your pets and farm animals are there for other reasons than gratification. Aren't you grateful you're not me right now? Verse 22, wait, and all the people shall say, Amen. glory, <laughs> cursed is the one, verse 22, who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. So of course, this is incest. If somebody were to have sexual relations with a family member, a sister either of your father or your mother, if in the case that your father's remarried, verse 23, cursed is the one who lies with his sister. Mother in law. So, again, so this is again, here's what you have to know about this God created us to be sexual beings, and that He wants to keep our sexuality set apart for Him. See, one of the things I love about the Bible is the Bible is just really real. See, I think one of the reasons our culture and most cultures become sexually immoral is because the physical union between a man and a woman is meant to be the physical embodiment of the reality of the oneness between Christ and the church. And when that is perverted, this picture of this beautiful union, spirit, soul, and body between a husband and wife, between Jesus and church, when that breaks down, everything else breaks down. It ruins the picture. It'd be like if the Mona Lisa, if someone tagged their name in the middle of Mona Lisa's face, it ruins it. And so God cares about how we carry our sexuality. No, God's not a prude, because God's not saying you can't ever enjoy something as beautiful as the intimacy between a man and a woman. He's just saying, within the proper bounds and the proper context, it will be even more amazing. Because what I will tell you, and many people unfortunately have experienced this, is that when your sexuality leaves the authority of Jesus, you get more hurt than enjoyment. That what happens is, is that when you allow your sexuality to function in a way that Jesus doesn't ordain, Not only do you get hurt, but other people get hurt, and it's not as enjoyable as it was. It's pleasurable for a season, that's what the Bible says. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but it ends up hollowing you out on the inside. It ruins your relationships. People end up making horrible decisions because they're focusing on the sexuality and not, is this the right person for me? Is this God's best for me? And when all those things get screwed up, people make bad decisions, and people get hurt. See, God wants your sexuality to function in the most safe and beautiful of ways. And that only comes with somebody who's saying, high up or low down, no matter what, we're going to do this thing together. We're going to work through all of this. And so even though our culture couldn't care less about purity, the people of God have to, because God created it as an act of worship. Your sexuality and how you carry your body is an act of worship. Now listen, I realize when I say things like that, there are many of you who are like, I've made a million mistakes. Listen, there is abundant grace for you. Don't be condemned, but don't go and sin no more. That's what happened to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Remember that? John chapter 8. When she came, they wanted to kill her because that was the punishment for sexual immorality. And Jesus said, he's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And everyone started leaving. And then she was there. And he said, where are these accusers of yours? So they've all left. He's like, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He doesn't just get her off. He says, but don't keep doing what you're doing. They got you here. And I love that. Jesus loves her and advocates for her, but tells her, stop doing what you're doing. And so what I want to say to you, if you are here and you are hearing this and you are feeling like I'm failing here, then stop it. Make a different decision. You don't have to do what you're doing. You're choosing to set yourself apart for the Lord. Now, in verse 24, it says, Cursed is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly. So again, the Bible is full of discussions of neighborliness. That in some ways, it's the foundation of Christian ethics. You looking out for the people around you. You realizing that you are part of something greater. I think that one of the greatest issues we have in the culture we live in today is it's all about the individual at the expense of neighborliness. So any sort of attacking your neighbor is undercutting the whole of society. God wants us to see ourselves as part of something significantly bigger than just our own lives. And so we got to make sure, even if it's in secret, we look out for our neighbor. We are neighborly in that way. Verse 25, cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person. So again, this speaks about... Murder, taking money for murder, any sort of killing for hire, all these things. It's horrible. And then finally in verse 26, this represented, this sum of all of it. cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law.
1: Jesus
0: is real.
1: Your purity is an act of worship to God. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that God wants your sexuality to function in the safest and most beautiful ways, which you'll find within the bounds of a loving, committed marriage. You see, he knows that anything outside of his design will get you more hurt than enjoyment. Sure, it may be great for a while, but it ends with you and others being wounded. Pastor Daniel reminded you that there's abundant grace for where you've messed up, but also that God asks you to change directions and follow his ways. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower
0: of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, but as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I wanna begin to follow Jesus. I wanna help you do that right now. We're gonna pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I wanna help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to five one four hundred S-A-V-E-D to 51400 and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources
1: in your hands to help you on this journey. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about God's message to the Israelites before they enter the promised land. God reminds his people of all of the blessings that will come their way if they choose to follow him and obey his commands. They, like you, get to decide what they'll do. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Cause and Effect. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.